everyone. It is, this is whole life. This is, is whole life. Did I say that right? Either way, it's- You know what, Randy? We're going to go with it this week. You just, <laughs> you're doing great. I'm doing great. Don't think at all about all the, all the, the technical issues you've had up to this very moment that people don't know about. I will not go back and re-record. I won't do it and you can't make me. But you know what you can make me do is you can make me invite Richard Hickam to the studio today to be a part of the podcast. And Richard is no slouch at the pulpit and he is no rookie to the room. He's been here before. If you go back, you can find things on Lifelong Music. And you did, you've preached here at least twice before, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And been on the podcast. So, but so how you, many times have you preached? You've been here for 11 years. 11 years. 11 yeah. years. I've preached uh, six or seven times. Okay. But I've only been here half of those. So that's probably as many as I'll remember is just a handful. I prefer. To preach intermittently and leave him wanting more. Oh, That's my, uh, <laughs> we haven't heard from Richard in a long time, and sadly, no one said that. So, oh, oh, I heard it. All right, today we are on a very limited time frame. So, what we're going to do is we're actually going to reverse engineer today's episode, and we're going to start with your questions first. Usually, we make you wait to the end, and today we're going to start with those questions because Richard was dangerous. And this is part of number, this was number three in our Dangerous Worship series. Four-part series, yep. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that every week I think we've maybe hit the pinnacle of danger. But then it's like, if there's anything that really gets people riled up more than worship style. I mean, what are the what are the buzzwords that you hear when people say, oh, I'm not sure about that kind of, you know, is it because it's contemporary? Is it because it's, you know, you know, new age? Is it too old? Is it hymns? Is it is there is there one thing that people just tend to not like versus another? Or is it just kind of universal? Like, hey, that's not my worship style. People don't usually associate old hymns with danger. Uh, usually, <laughs> I do. Usually, the 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 danger, as from just my observations, would be visually seeing a drum set is Ooh. somehow dangerous in worship. Um, volume level is dangerous, and there may be some that that, that might actually, not that might not be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, that is not wrong. Uh, but that that can go to, to to any discussion really about no matter what's your style of worship. Yeah, that's true. But but typically it would involve around what we would call contemporary Christian music uh, within Christian circles and and about um, you know is it a show or is it worship? Those those are most often the most often the, the discussions that that I see. Well, it's uh, it's amazing to me that uh, we don't have that same con- uh, conversation regarding the amazing organ right. uh, postlude at the end of uh, of many a church service I've been at. Um, oh, we we have in my in the churches. Oh, have I've been you? Because I haven't. I've never oh. never once as a pastor have I had somebody approach me and say, you know that that organ well. solo at the end of the church service that post through that was just that was that was such a show 130 Never once. 138 decibels in the worship service at the end and uh, it did uh, it got a few people no one's usually offended by that as a showpiece yeah you no, know? no it could but not be and, and you know I'll just veer off here that growing up in a conservative uh Christian college community uh you know that was that was really it was how I was trained without them saying it. You were always 
the you know your your program was really top notch when you got that big round of applause at the end of a service because you had that barn burner postlude <laughs> yeah. right yeah. and so it it is an absolute double standard and it was it was the things that I learned that were implied and so that that actually goes into kind of the sermon the how we've been culturally sleepy about some things and we need to question. Uh, in, with the right attitudes, you know, we don't need to we don't need to unnecessarily bag on uh, on things, but we need to you know ask why why are we doing this? Well, let's that goes right into the the first question: How can we be less judgmental in looking at worship? Hmm. You know, we we could just we could just stop with judge. How can we stop being judgmental, <laughs> judgmental. <laughs> in general? I think, I think that's a and and honestly. Because really, if someone's going to be judgmental about worship, they're probably judgmental about a lot of things, right? Is that going to inform? Uh, just like I'm being judgmental about that person right now. So, so it's, it's a logical. I just like having here Richard because that makes at least two judgy people in the room. So I'm I'm okay with that. So so you know we, I have learned as I've gotten older through listening to other people. I'll say I'll take Jeff as an example. You know, Jeff's a Jeff's a calm soul who who responds thoughtfully and has helped me mature in my way of thinking about being open to considering other possibilities. So once I start being curious, once I start being curious about it and I really look for answers, I become much less judgmental, and I really want to engage in conversation. Mm. Can I also add into that, travel the world a little bit? Mm, yeah. I think that's a huge benefit to becoming less judgmental about worship styles, mm. because when you are in, when you're in Thailand, and you go to a remote village and watch how they worship, or you're in Europe and go to, to some huge cathedral and see how they worship, um, and I'm, or or to a little Adventist church in Switzerland, or to uh, somewhere in Africa, and you see all these different ways that people worship, and you see the sincerity behind those people and what they're doing, I think it opens your mind up to th- that there may be more than one way um, mm-hmm. that that God enjoys mm. participating in worship with us. And when you watch their expression, when you're able to yeah. see this joy in mm-hmm. this completely different environment, your your mind is open up yeah. to so many more possibilities. I just want to add on to, I know you want to get to another question, nope, I want to add on to the story I was telling in the sermon about being on this mission trip where we experienced an orchestra and a chorus mm. at a prison and the prisoner singing. That was a powerful the, the, story. The part I didn't get to tell because of time was before that, when we got there, or they told us ahead of time how we should dress for this occasion. Okay, so first of all, you know, when you go to these places, you, it's very exciting. You get to do the cultural thing. So the men, we got to wear a Sulu, which was basically a skirt. Okay, so we get we get this, and we're all excited. We got measured. But they told us we had to... We had to wear a like a button-down shirt and a tie. So here we are in the jungle <laughs> wearing a tie. Oh my. Why? Because a well-meaning missionary at some point had decided that that was going to be the thing that that people needed to do.
do there. So all of the indigenous people of there, they all all the men had ties that they were wearing. <laughs> and and I also want to be careful not to bag on the missionaries because they're actually my great great grandparents because I have them on both sides that were doing this. They're the they were from what I can remember, but I know of them. They were very humble, well-meaning people. But this goes to things that again over time we lose sense of meaning. And it was imposed on us who, as I've moved to Central Florida in a warm region, I just don't dress the same way I used to when I lived in a cooler environment. (laughs) So there's no reason in God's green earth for us to wear a tie in the jungle. Well, you tell me, what's the purpose of a tie? Yeah, it's exactly. I mean, we talk all the time about, well, you know, what's the purpose of something and and when it comes to adornment and... The, the tie actually did have a function at one point. It was, you know, it, it came out of some other uh, clothing that, well, there was, there was some, there was some issues. <laughs> well, sure. but some things, but remember, point, we used to wear wigs. Yeah, we used to wear powdered uh, wigs. Absolutely. Right? And so, we just, so the point is, you know, like you said, some really well-meaning people. And, and I think that goes to a little bit, you know, of, you know, in, anyway, I don't want to go too far because we've got so much to cover. But, you know, the whole idea of reverence, um, that that we we often ascribe to it a volume level, as opposed to what reverence really is. It's and, and uh, an attitude of the heart, an right? attitude of yeah. the heart, and mm-hmm. that it's possible, you know, to be like David dancing half naked down the road in front of the Ark of the Covenant and be reverent. Yeah, and it's possible to be reverent and kneeling. Uh, in a full three-piece suit in yep. a church, but it's where your heart is at, and um, mm, that's you know, a tough one. Yeah. Mm. All right, music lover and Val kind of have the question. Two questions. We'll start with music lover, but I'm going to go right to Val's as well because they're they're pretty much inter- they're a lot interchangeable. Music lover asked, "What can you respond to someone's comment that the music played in the church is not godly because it is not traditional music?" And Val asked, what if your expression of worship is not aligned with the way Adventists worship? I think that's kind of the the same thing. I mean, where I grew up, and maybe like you, uh, very traditional uh, hymns, you know, on the front, it had the number for the day for the opening song and for the closing song, and somehow that became holy or it became acceptable, I guess at least. How far is that expression allowed to go? And is music godly? Is one kind better than another? So it's a, it's a great question, and that's what people scratch their heads about. With, yeah, yeah. So, has God told anyone about His music and what what's what's good and what's allowable? I would go to a definition given by Lillian Ducan, who is a former worship professor at Andrews University, and in her book *In Tune with God*, she says that the expressions in our worship have to be characteristics of the God that is worshipped. Mm. So. So what is God like? And whatever God is like, and whatever God's story is about, we can use those kinds of expressions. So there are times that God is loud, and God is the thunder on the mountain, and there are times that God's a still small voice. So I think it's it's a, the, the story, the arc of the story that we're telling, and because we're using means that our, that our people can understand— um, I would put those. That's what. That's my litmus test. Is you know, is this in line with what what God's story is about? Um, so you know, are there ways that would be inappropriate? Yeah, I think there's language that would be inappropriate because we have to consider 
who our people are here, who our context is, and so we want to we want to communicate in effective ways that will not be a stumbling block to our people here. And again, that is very different from the people just down the street. Something that I might do here when I am invited to go somewhere else, I find out what their cultural context is so that mm. I can be most effective, effective to communicate the gospel, just like a speaker would be or or anyone else. Yeah, I really appreciate that about your your sermon. And and just to add on to what uh, what Lillian wrote there, I I think what I'd like to just gently say to some people who might read that is while we need to be careful that when we say what God is like, that we're not making God in our own image. Mm, And I think sometimes that's what happens in worship. We said, this is what God is like. He can't be like the things I don't like over here. When you're 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 ascribing more of your culture to God than you are what the Bible has to say about yeah. God. Hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about this church, especially, and churches like this where it's a, a very multicultural congregation, and we invite our congregational members to bring their language or some piece to be up represented so that we can see and we can taste and experience so that when that happens it's just like it's like the closest thing we can go to going to that place is to experience it and we're together and we're here and uh, I feel so much richer and broader when I was like wow that's so different from from my uh, past and I'm really connecting with this but when you see somebody really, worshiping in their space. That's contagious. When you see someone who it's like all of a sudden this is their thing and God is speaking with them and they're they're truly worshiping in you, you hear that they sing different, they sing maybe more more bold. They're not afraid to let it go and 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 be a part of that. And then if you look at it and you see that and you feel it, it's hard then to be judgmental about well, I've never heard them sing like that. Like you'll hear Randy sing once in a while. If it's if it's, if the jam is there, I, I'm you know I'm down with it. But I, I sing horribly, so don't ever sit next to me because it's it's not. This good. is the only time we turn your mic on, Randy. <laughs> this is it. Don't do not <laughs> do not turn it on if ha- I happen to be singing. And an anonymous asked, and I think we kind of covered it, but I want to just I want to ask you this specifically. Do you think there's a line between what is good worship versus bad worship? Uh, if the audience worships the performer performance above God. Does it change the premise of worship? And I think you answered that with the heart and with the, that over the arcing story of God. But where does that line for you come in where you feel like, do you know when it's been, ooh, maybe maybe that wasn't the best or, wow, we really felt like the Holy Spirit was with us today and we just, we as a collective worshiped together. What's that line for Richard? Feelings, nothing more than feelings. See, Richard can sing. So, you know, let's let's change the paradigm, first of all. It's not about—I'm not there to—I'm not there to really to minister. Actually, I'll just—I'm you know, not there to, to entertain. I'm not to do anything. I'm there to worship God, and the, 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 the service is going up. It's, it's a vertical experience— and the horizontal is that there that it's we together. So it's not me to these people. It's me to God worshiping and we're we're all the worshipers. And so when I in my mind if I start there then that 
that helps us frame. So what, what we try to do on our worship teams is to stay grounded before and to remind ourselves every single time why we're there, and to and we start by praying for people. Sometimes we pray over the room. We, we remind ourselves there's a hospital right across the street with people who are in very difficult situations, and so that helps us remember why we're there, because it's so easy to forget that, right? And that's mm. why God is always like, remember, 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 start your new, your day anew, start, because every day we have to put ourselves in a place of a spiritual connection that's the abiding, the abiding in God, the abiding in Christ. When we're, when we're in that space, then I don't think it's something that I, I'm conscious of. Am I now performing? Am I not performing? I'm just in in what they call the flow state. I'm just worshiping, and, and that's where David, right? That's where David was. He was just worshiping, and but to the observer, and, and that's actually where Paul gives us warnings, like, you know, make sure that people understand so that you're not a, 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 a gong or something, so that people know, you know, you have tongues going on. Um, so so it's, a, it's a natural thing that's happening upward, and we want to make sure that everyone can understand what's happening. You know, when it comes to it it always strikes me that whatever great music we have here heaven's always like something way beyond what we can imagine and i and it <laughs> when my when my kids were little like, you know i remember once kyla you know was super happy with something i'd done and so she sang this little daddy's great kind of thing it it was completely out of tune it was you know it was <laughs> but it was just her honest expression of how she felt about me in that moment and there was no prettier song on earth for me at that moment. And I kind of tend to think that sometimes we really elevate the music that we're doing to a level that's way higher than it really is in heaven's eyes. Not that that what heaven doesn't heaven isn't judging our music. I don't feel like by the musicality of it as much as heaven's by the the heart that it's coming from. And I feel like whatever music there is in heaven is so far and beyond whatever we can produce here on earth that it must be a little bit amusing to God to hear us arguing about, you know, how great our music, it's like, you know, three or four-year-olds arguing about whose music is greater, you know. You know, maybe there's some really talented three and four-year-olds, but most of them are producing stuff that is not going to be on the radio anytime soon. You know, thank you. I love that point. I think God is never going to be impressed with how tight that three-part harmony is. <laughs> All the things that I'm thinking about and thing that okay, we've got, we've got to get the, that God could care less. God is looking at the hearts of the worshipers. And so anytime I'm like, okay, the baptism's over. All right, here we go people. Are you ready? It's time, you know. No, it's about that's the most important yeah. thing that just happened. That yeah. person and anyone else who's teetering on that fence, and if mm-hmm. this moment now of singing can reach your your yeah. soul so that you can sing in the Spirit and in truth, then yeah. that's the moment. And I think it's so important just to recognize that that God reaches us through our senses, that, that music isn't pointless. Music has a very much of a point that there are people who really care about music, and it will touch them in a way that nothing else will. That There's pieces of art that I love art, but I don't know if I've ever really cried looking at a painting before. But I've been in I've been in museums where I saw somebody with a tear coming down their cheek looking at this. Why? Because it touched them in some special way. 
And for whatever reason, sometimes I think Christians are a little scared of the arts and, and allowing a lot of different expressions um, because we we tend to paint emotion as being bad, and it's all you know straight logic, complete brain, and we ignore the God that created a million different kinds of flowers and and just all kinds of different beauty in this world to be experienced. And so that's one of the reasons I just really appreciated Richard and his ministry and the ministry that he's got happening over at Advent Health is where we incorporate those things into our our worship experience and our life experience. Well, let's just pause there and talk some more about that. Randy, would you like to t- honor me? No, that's, that's not why we can. No, well, why I was. Hold on, Randy. Find, Randy, find that sentence. Finds that next paper that he was waiting for later. No, no. What I was going to say was, I I agree that I appreciate how we attack music here at Whole Life versus other churches I've been to, and it's not a it's not a cut anywhere because. Long ago, uh, young adult worship service, um, and Jeff Gang was the uh, pastor of our young adult service called Deeper, and his his big thing was, the first thing he told us was, don't ever talk down to someone who worships different than you do, whether that's music, whether it's you know who uh, a preaching style, but someone is going to find Jesus through that medium, just like you're finding Jesus in in a maybe at some time in your life in a preferred medium, so. I feel like here we're we're providing a mixture and like you talked about earlier, Richard, when you like I love it when the steel drums come out. Yeah. Because that is some serious mm-hmm. worship that I'm never gonna get anywhere else. I, I've never been anywhere where <laughs> there was worship uh with steel drums. And sometimes it can be a you know a, a choir and it can be all those different things. Cause there's times when as much as growing up I didn't like hymns, I got bored of them, didn't care for it, it wasn't anything that moved me in any way. Now, when you when you grab a weekend when we do hymns, it's like, woo! It's been a while since we sang "It Is Well with My Soul," and you find yourself getting to the end, and you find yourself a little choked up and going, "Well, I, I hadn't expected that." So, I think the variety and being exposed to different things almost brings the danger level down a little bit. Like, hey, we're okay. This week might not be your week, but next week might be. I remember you saying that to Polly a long time ago, warning her for bluegrass coming up. Well, ironic, because <laughs> she's from West Virginia. I know, right? And she said, I moved down here to get away from, from that Bla- music. <laughs> That's awesome. Ronnie Rue asked, what is the best way to reach out to young adults who've been rejected by their parents and have never felt accepted based on, I think, music preference? Like, we're just trying to rebel. We're not, we're not trying to fit in. We think we need our own thing. And that's a, that's a stage that a lot of us, I mean, we, well, probably most of us went through, but how do we reach out to someone? And I think maybe the answer just lies in what we talked about is having that variety where people do feel welcomed and they feel like when it's something you're comfortable with, it's easier to get involved. Can I just also just say, yeah, control less, try to understand more. Ooh. I think a lot of times we really try to control people that we have no control over. Yeah. Um, and that can particularly be the case with young adults. They are, you know, as their name the name implies, they have become adults, and we're used to treating them like children. And so instead of instead of trying to understand where they're coming from, listening and giving wise advice, we start to try to manipulate and control them into doing what we want them to do. And I think that uh, I think that control is just a recipe for disaster in, in most of our lives. When we start trying to control things is when things go wrong. And, and I would just 
just kind of say, you know, for those young adults out there, or whoever it is in your life um, that listens to stuff, does things that you disagree with, control less, listen more, give advice when asked. So, so I I like the when we are in control of our faculties and we can think it through and respond appropriately. I do want to put in a plug for science and. Research tells us that as we get older and we age, you know, our brains become less uh, able to absorb change, right? And so there is something that happens. <laughs> That's good. that is solid science. Th- there is something that happens when someone's playing a, a, a young, what well, we would say, a new music in a new style, and it comes. It can be abrasive to us. And so as an older person, so while I'm fully in support of being able to logically think it through and, you know, want to, to do this, there are times when my chi- when my child, my teenage children, will play something for me and my brain is screaming, shut <laughs> it off. And so when my rational part of my brain says, you need to listen to this, but my emotional part of my brain says, I can't stand this, that's where... Only through training I can say, you know, yeah, let's play the song, but there's probably going to be a limit that I can take. And, <laughs> and so, but I've entered into a conversation with my child yeah. who understands it, and now they're getting to the point where they they can guess the kind of music that I'll like that they like, and that's a fun place to be too. They know like this is kind of more like dad's '80s music, and so um, guilty. Which thankfully it's come full yeah. circle that, yeah, right. that, that, that that's there. But I think it's a, it is good to know that that's a real thing. So that crotchety old people are not just crotchety old people, but there's a reason why, and it's 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 there is a there's a there is a, a rationale that we should be understanding with them as well. All right, we're gonna do a couple of quick fire ones here. What genre of music speaks worship to you personally and most impactfully? This is a totally Richard question because you you kind of left them hanging on a couple. You're like, well, if you want to hear what the easy answers are, you got to go back and <laughs> listen to other sermons. What so I think most what... what most impacts me de- depends on my Genre, mood yeah. and uh, and where where I'm at. There isn't a genre particularly. There's great songwriting or compositions that affect me and my mood. Depending, I I can cry at a great symphony like I can a country ballad, like I can a CCM song, like I can in a rock song. I don't know that I've cried in a rap song, but I I oh, I, I, I should cry because I, of. <laughs> but I should. It's not a, it's, to me. It's not a genre issue because genres come and go and are, are they are what they are but it's messages and it's music and it's rhythm it's those things that when they're well constructed and they hit me because of something that's going on that it could be anything okay did i dodge that enough yes okay perfect perfect so can anything be worship Anything that is acceptable in God's sight can can certainly be be worship. I mean, we have examples, and I didn't go, and that was kind of the twist on the sermon, right? You were expecting to go <laughs> to all the what's the what are the dangerous things? I didn't really go down the road of don't do X, Y, and Z, but we can look through Scripture and we can see where Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted, and we can see that there was strange fire, and we can see that. Uh, 
Ananias and Sapphira lied and they died, and and so there are, there are really strong warnings in there, and they're all in connection with with somehow the heart and and what was going on in a very specific circumstance in a time. So I would say, you know, if you're if you're in a strong relationship with with God and you understand as best you can with Scripture and you're engaged in a community. I would, I would, I would leave things pretty open. I'm about principles. I'm not about laying down the Ten Commandments of of worship, particularly. Secular songs with worshipful lyrics acceptable as worship, or no? We're talking like bands like U2 is one that I can think of just oh. right off the top of my head. Or the song that you used in uh, yeah. the video. I had no problem with that. I was like, man, jump that, get those socks off those feet. Let's get this done. That well, was, that, I, that was fun. There's a great article that came out last week in Christianity Today interviewing Bono, and essentially it was fascinating to see what happened as they became a band and that they were at a church, and essentially the... Uh, the the elders there wanted them to do a specific thing, and so they quit because they wanted to do it their own way. And it was really to that effect. So to hear a, someone like Bono talk about how much he loves God and that he couldn't quite do it the organized religion way yeah. spoke to me about some of the songs that I've used here at this church, because you can hear the, the influence, but I'll put it again this way. It could be all right here, but it May not won't be. be all right just down the street. It definitely wouldn't be all right. Yeah. And so it could be. It could be. Because if people are understanding what's going on, that's the key. Do they understand? Is it connecting? Is it honoring God? If it's honoring God, or is it honoring us? You know, if it's honoring God and, and contributing to the edification of the body, if I can use the fact, contributing to the building up sure. to, 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 of us, then I would say it's a, it's allowable and that we are in agreement that, that, that in general, there's going to be some naysayers, but that we're in general agreement that, that this is okay. But I mean, I've heard, I've heard U2 songs done in church. I've heard Switchfoot songs done in church, redone a little bit, just, but lyrically the same. And people like, wow, that was really powerful. Like that was complete worship. But is it, I, I like what you just said though, because it really is to the heart of the matter. Is it worshipful? Is it bringing it to God or is it bringing it to us? Because that that has to be the determination. Let me just factor. add on really quick that there there have without any names there have been other staff members even who have wa- asked me to play certain songs that I wasn't comfortable with. Okay, and so I've I've said I I can't do that in good conscience for for where I am. So is it right or wrong? I can't answer that for everybody, but for sure. me where I was when I said that I was like, it doesn't feel right. So is there a difference between dangerous personal worship? than public worship? I mean, can you worship by yourself to a song that maybe, oh, like maybe one of the songs the staff members were like, and you're like, ah, I don't think I can do it from the front, but you might be tapping your hand on the way to work and going, man, I really kind of felt like God and I had a moment with this song this morning. Well, do you believe that God can speak to you through any means? You know, I do. In the billboard, in the bird, in the, you know, and so so yes, worship happens all all that way, but it doesn't happen all that way when we're all together, because then the, then the symbols can get confusing. So so we can have a, a much—I think that the larger we get, that's why the narrower sometimes the frame needs to get, because we have to reach the lowest common denominator so that 
so that our children understand it, and someone from another generation, and someone who is from another culture. So we have to talk in very that's general terms. There are a lot, and that's why you have people who study this and pray about it and think about it a lot and implement it. And so th- those are things that are all important. So yeah, what what I what we do as individuals can be very be very different. And then, again, into our families. What we do with family worship could look very differently. You know, um, there's a Christian artist by the name of Jason Gray, um, and he came and did a a concert at at one of the churches I pastored, and he shared that he—his mom worked in bars, and that he came to know Jesus through a Simon and Garfunkel song. Mm -hmm. He gave his life to Jesus over that song in a bar, which is kind of— he says ironic since you know atheists wrote that song and yet in in a bar situation but god met him where his because he was you know a kid mm-hmm. and his mom was working she needed a place for him so he'd sit over here in the corner and he was listening to that song and god just spoke to him and it's where he mm-hmm. kind of made that thing and so i think i think we have to be really careful because um, there are some songs that if i heard them here in church they were going to take me to a place that that is completely unholy and not not the experience. It's one of the realizations I came to. I was talking to one of my church members who really had a problem with some of the music we were using in another one of the churches I was at. And um, you know, in a, in the thoughtful conversation that ensued, it made sense. This person had been into the drug scene. They had been into partying, and this was the music they listened to all during that part of their life. And for them to walk into church just felt. They're like, where where am I at? I'm right back to at a place I never want to go back to yeah. again. And yeah. and so and yet ninety-eight percent of the rest of the people in that church, they hear that music and they think, Oh, That's that awesome. really yeah. puts me close to Jesus. Mm. Because context and nuance matter. Yeah. So that's one of the things Very we have much. to think about. And yeah. so, you know, so we have to be careful to judge that person who's not happy about that because they're they're giving an Very honest legitimate. expression of how they're feeling and what's happening. And that person also needs to recognize that that might not be everybody else's experience with that music. That that and as that, that music. I mean, isn't it funny to listen to '40s and '50s music that was you know rock and roll and so on the edge? And you listen today, and it barely makes what would be like easy listening. Barely. I mean. Yeah. It's not at all edgy. And Elvis wasn't allowed on TV. Look out, look out. It's dangerous. Final question. When you talk about dangerous worship, people immediately think of music or drama. Considering the creativity of God, why do you think people consider the arts dangerous? And I know this is something that you do full-time at Advent Health. You're you're working through those same mediums in, in art and why does it immediately why do we immediately assume that something is going to be dangerous when many times it's just an outpouring of someone's idea that God put on their heart and it again it may just is it just because we're just not comfortable with things we're not comfortable with or is this a growing experience where we learn to to love the arts or if that's not a part of us why is it immediately like oh man it's the arts watch out uh, well my answer would be because of our context as a Seventh-day Adventist uh, community, we're very well well aware of church history. And so uh, essentially what happened is that uh, 
and I want to be careful how I say, but you know, the <laughs> opulence of the Dark Ages of the Middle Ages, and uh, really led to really excessive statues and gold and 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 spending, you know, uh, exorbitant amounts of money while people literally starved to death. And and so while I do believe there's being supported, there was a an excess. And so when the the Reformation came. Uh, which swung the p- pendulum, of course, too far. So there was Martin Luther who was who was here, and he was trying to rational through this. But then there was Calvin who decided to go and smash the stained glass windows and break them all down. And so we came out of that tradition, that very conservative. And so us being a an end time people with the imminent return of Jesus, we view anything as suspicious that might lead us mm. back towards that. So what we have to find as as who we are is that beautiful middle ground of 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 a healthy appreciation for the arts that God, as Ken said, God created us to be emotional people with eyes to see, ears to hear, scent to smell, to taste, to stand, to sing, and so when we are and arms to raise. Th- those are those are biblical principles, and so when we can do that in the right way, and again, I'll use the the the, the scripture in spirit and in truth. To me, that makes me a whole person because the arts make me a whole person versus just being a good vegetarian and and keeping the Sabbath. But wouldn't it be just easier to be safe? I mean, it, it, it would be, and that's what I've learned. It's so much easier. Like, why are just we doing to be all this? Safe, and this is why. This is why we're dangerous. <laughs> this is why we're a dangerous church. It's easier, but uh, safety rather rarely leads to anything worth having. Yeah, risk no. risk is almost always involved in having anything that's worth having. Well, and what the thing, the reason I asked that was. The, as you were telling your story about your friend in California, and I resonated so much with your story. I tried to mask your, your, you, your, you, your you, it really was. Yeah, Randy, you were glad that you caught up with him. California, <laughs> California. Wisconsin. <laughs> I just, I, I loved, and I was like, man, I could listen to the whole story. But you said sometimes the very name of Jesus can be a dangerous expression in worship. And, and that's so true because even how we, process Jesus or we think about Jesus or who Jesus is to us in our mind and how we view him in stories even can be so polarizing between us. So if if that in itself can be a dangerous expression in worship, yeah, everything is going to be past that. How can you how can it not be? And I w- what do you see though? And I I know we're 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 out of time here for you, but why is dangerous worship it's work. It's it can be it can be sticky. You can have people go, Richard, that wasn't appropriate. You know, you're gonna you're gonna get the the you're gonna get the feedback when it doesn't go well or it was too dangerous. Is it worth it though? Like, what have you seen that dangerous worship has done for you personally or this congregation as we've moved to maybe being a little bit more dangerous over over the years? So let me start with, let me give you two things, a biblical story and then my personal story. And okay. so one of the most dangerous stories in Scripture that I didn't get to this week was the story of Mary and breaking the nard on Jesus' feet and mm-hmm. worshiping and wiping him with his hair, with her hair in front of all those Pharisees and men and, and to humble herself with the tears 
to wipe them away because of what he had done for her. Wow. When you love Jesus like that, that's that you do crazy things that people don't understand. <laughs> and so um so that's my biblical my biblical observation and personally I would say that the most meaningful piece for me would obviously be that my children see this and I as a family am worshiping together with them and so if through this experience whatever has happened my family has grown together and in Christ what else is there mm. And your family does a lot of worship from the front here as well. And it's been really cool to see Autumn and Allison grow in their skill sets with it, whether it be instruments or singing, or I know they've written some songs and sung them and it's beautiful. And and when it's the Hickam four together, kind of on stage, it's a cool experience. I hean, hey, we're coming up soon. This I heard is, that. <laughs> uh, the week after Thanksgiving, we'll be here yep. and looking right. forward to that. Mark your calendars. So that is, I'm not going to, we're not going to dig any deeper into the message. You can check that out. If you swipe up in today's show notes, you'll see that on our sister podcast, Speaking of Grace, along with some of our whole life questions that we had for you this week. And the one that I really wanted us to focus on is, is there an expression of worship I can live out in my neighborhood without words or a pamphlet? And that's one that for me is always a big one because I'm not a proselytizer. I'm not big on walking around. I just, from my past and my background, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I didn't like it when people did it to me. And it's something that I'm not really comfortable with because I don't think there's a, a lot of utility in it coming from me. I just, I just don't. But when people also find out like, oh, you, you work for a church or you, you, you know, you do a podcast. Well, what's the podcast? I mean, I don't know how many times I've shared the podcast and people are like, man, that's a really cool podcast. I would never listen to a church podcast, but that's pretty cool. And I just, I just want, wanted us to stop and think about how can what we're doing in dangerous worship that, you know, if you're a member here, maybe you don't feel like it's dangerous worship anymore. This is what we do. It's who we are. And, and as a family, we've learned to do this together. But I, I think we, we shouldn't underestimate what that attitude as it as God puts that in us and we worship together, that it really does look from the outside different. And people do do see that. And maybe it's not always about proselytizing as much as it is just explaining, you know, why do you believe what you believe? Why does, you know, why do you go to church? Like for a lot of people, why do you go to church every week? Like that's, that's not a thing anymore, is it? Like people actually go every single week. So there's a lot of things that we can, we can be, showing people the love of Jesus without having to put out the pamphlet. And if you're, if you're a pamphlet person, please continue. Cause just stay out of my neighborhood because <laughs> I have good relationships with my neighbors. I don't need your pamphlet to come ruin it. <laughs> wow. Was that out loud? Oh, I'm sorry. No, bring, bring your pamphlets to me and we'll, we'll pass them out together. Well, yeah, we'll talk together about it. That's awesome. <laughs> Okay. Are we done? I gotta. Go. Yeah, we're done now. <laughs> we're done. That, that's Can it. I drop this microphone. It looks kind of expensive. I, I think you already did. <laughs> oh shucks! All right. Well, that means that we're now we're now down to announcements time. Please, if you're hearing the podcast this week, you're not behind. You're not catching up. You're not listening to this three weeks later. If you come to Whole Life this week, November 12th, there's not going to be anybody here. The doors are going to be locked. And who knows, with the with the tropical storm, they might even be sandbagged yet. We might not even <laughs> so you know what I mean. So uh, we are going to be at Exploria Stadium for Connected 2022. Most of you will know that as Meet Worship Serve if you've been here in the past. And so 
we already have volunteers, vendors, all that is full, but you're not required to register, but you can come to worship with us at 12 p.m. There's only going to be one service, and it's going to be, of course, like I already mentioned, at Exploria Stadium. So that'll be closing out our dangerous worship. Ken will be so talking about dangerous things, living. Get there early if you're coming for just the worship service because oh, you're going to need parking. to find parking, and it can be a little tricky over by Exploria Stadium. Yep. And then number two, um, please do stay tuned to our website and social media, um, social media sites just because depending on what uh, Nicole, <laughs> Nicole does, yeah. that being the tropical storm Nicole right now, things may may change. So just stay tuned to that. You'll We will have information there either way about yeah, what we're doing. And so just keep, again, the social media and website are your best, best That'd places. That'd really be dangerous worship. Yeah, we, you know, <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's... Real. Well, uh, dangerous living. Okay, let's is try to drop this mic again, but it's still not <laughs> working. Right. Dangerous living. That's the name of it. So if you want to talk about dangerous living at church, head out to an open air stadium and have worship in the middle of a tropical storm. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets. So, but if you are not able to make it, so the plan now is we are worshiping at Exploria until otherwise noted. Correct. And this is Tuesday afternoon. So you'll hear this as early as Wednesday morning. Tuesday, November 8th. To 8th. So this is like, what, four, three days really you know, before you hear it. It's like a lifetime when you're watching a hurricane, right? Although I will say, I am so happy for Florida. You can, I mean, we can say what we want, but uh, you know, up in that Midwest area, tornadoes, no thank you. Mm. I will take a storm I can see coming and prepare for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not that I want them, but no, you know, no, you no, no. Pick. But if you're gonna pick, if you're gonna pick. So as it go as stands now, we are gonna be worshiping Exploria. Come early. There'll be a little uh, there'll be music playing. You can come and hang out. And um if not, and you're just watching online, it's always the same address, wholelife.church slash live. And so we'll be streaming the first three sermons and music from our Dangerous Worship series. So you'll be able to see all three messages up to that point. And otherwise, keep track of the social media channels and the website. And you can go to wholelife.church slash connected 2022. That's four, two zero two two. And that is all the information that you'll need there, how to get there, where to park. There's maps. There's all kinds of fun information there, but do keep track of social media. I really enjoyed Richard's message and I know I didn't get the chance to say that before that, but such a, in some places, it can be such a divisive thing where people, you know, I'll drive an hour out of my way to avoid that worship service. <laughs> and and I just feel like here we've just uh, we've got a really nice eclectic worship team that pulls together really amazing worship. And for some that may be dangerous, but I think it's pretty awesome. And so uh, thank you, Richard, as he may or may not hear this afterwards, but he had to go and drop that mic. So that is going to do it for this week. Don't forget Exploria Stadium one more time or something else. Stay tuned because <laughs> we don't really know. And stay safe, everyone. If you <laughs> let us know how you are, I, we'll uh, we'll pray that Nicole turns out to be uh, a fizzle. Yeah, yeah. No sizzle. All fizzle. All fizzle. That's it. Nicole, you've been With warned. just a little drizzle. Just a little. Oh. oh. <laughs> we shouldn't be left alone in here, should we? Probably not. <laughs> Jeff left. <laughs> Richard All left. the adults have left. <laughs> Randy, it's just you and me, man. Sizzle and the fizzle and the drizzle. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't have any more. Do you? No. No. Nah, Let's just drop the mic. All right. That's it. We will see you guys all again next week. 